Welcome to another episode of the EU Roundup. Hope you're well in these trying times. We're here as ever, bringing you last week's most notable news from around Europe. In this week's episode, we'll take a look at what happened at the EU summit. After Hungary and Poland decided to veto the EU budget, all eyes were on the high-profile meeting. Meanwhile, Bulgaria continues to block the start of EU accession talks with the Republic of North Macedonia. This has sparked into life a dormant conflict between the two Balkan nations. As ever, we also have a quick round of news from last week. But first, let's take a look at how Greece has handled the arrival of migrants in recent times. According to the relevant EU authorities, it's looking rather bad. The pattern of pushing back people into Turkey arbitrarily, the the pattern of of using detention against asylum seekers, and uh, the policy and legislations that undermine or uh, deny access to applications for asylum are contrary to EU law. That was Philip Dam from Human Rights Watch commenting on the practices at the Greek border. Behavior towards asylum seekers trying to cross into Europe continues to be an issue. The Council of Europe's Anti-Torture Committee released a report on Greece's handling of migrants. The assessment comes as a result of a visit by the European authorities back in March. Reports of the poor conditions in the migrant facilities are the motivation behind the report. But also allegations that the Greek Coast Guard actively prevents boats carrying migrants from reaching Greek territory. In the released documents, the Council of Europe urges the Greek authorities to change their approach, especially in terms of immigration detention and ensuring that migrants are treated both with dignity and humanity. With regards to the conditions, what was seen by the European authorities can only be described as a bleak picture. Migrants being held in detention centers with barred cells and cramped beds with poor lightning and ventilation. The state of toilets and washrooms is reportedly unsatisfying, as is access to food and outdoor daily exercise. Greece came out with a response to the report, a 25-page document of its own, detailing the difficulty of the situation and the efforts made by the authorities. They outlined the overfill of the centers, which has caused a decrease in living conditions. The Greek authorities claim the overfill is the result of a suspension of migrants' reception by Turkey. It is true that Greece is one of the most concerned countries when it comes to migrants coming from the Middle East, however, some of the actions by the Greek officials can hardly be excused. As reported by the New York Times, the Greek authorities have charged an Afghan man in the death of his six-year-old son. The two were trying to reach the country by sea, but their boat was overturned, which resulted in the kid's death. As a result of that, the father is being accused of abandoning his son. In the eyes of migrants' rights groups, this sets a worrying precedent for criminalizing asylum seekers. And as such, a strategy by the Greek government to discourage them from trying to cross the country's borders. As a reminder, there was a fair bit of outrage over the summer after reports of pushbacks by the Greek authorities. That is, the practice of loading migrants up into half-decent boats and pushing them back into the sea, often leaving them to fend for their lives. Greece has denied acting in such a way, but there is a fair bit of evidence. Most recently, the EU observer made revelations regarding an official Greek order to illegally push back immigrants. A chain email from the EU's border agency Frontex was made available after a Freedom of Information request. The exchange shows that the Hellenic Coast Guard clearly received orders to push migrants back into Turkish territorial waters. 
Greece's stance so far has been that such accusations were Turkish propaganda or even fake news. But now there is black and white evidence as well. Many migrants' camps also pose a risk for a spread of the coronavirus, which complicates even further the current situation. Bulgaria continues to block EU accession talks with the Republic of North Macedonia. Last Tuesday, European ministers held talks on the topic. That was supposed to be the deadline given by Bulgaria to its neighbour to change its position on key issues. One of those is recognising that the official language in North Macedonia, as well as the population, have Bulgarian roots. Bulgaria recognises the Macedonian state, but not the Macedonian language. It is seen as a Bulgarian dialect, which has been altered since the end of the Second World War. That hasn't stopped treaties between the two countries from being signed in the past. When that is done, the languages of both countries are simply referred to as the official language of Macedonia or Bulgaria. But that is definitely cumbersome when it comes to EU talks. And, as well as that, if North Macedonia joins the EU, its language will need to be recognised as an official EU language. Therefore, Bulgaria insists its neighbour acknowledges the roots in its language. Skopje, on the other hand, has maintained that any questions in regards to its identity and language are not open to discussion. Strange as it may seem, the relations between the two countries had improved in recent years. During its presidency of the Council of the EU, Bulgaria defended its neighbours. The government supported the opening of accession talks with North Macedonia and Albania, which France and the Netherlands were vetoing at the time. That may have led Skopje to believing it was all water under the bridge, but issues clearly persist. Accession talks can take years and this is just the first step in kick-starting them. Some EU officials have already admitted it's better to do it right than to rush. As you know, in July we agreed by unanimity the MFF and recovery package and we need to stay united on this. This financial package is essential for our economic recovery. On the mechanism of conditionality, the vast majority of member states agree with a compromise on the table and some member states have indicated that they are not able to support the majority. We will continue the discussions to find an acceptable solution to all. The voice you just heard was that of EU Council President Charles Michel. He gave an opening statement for the EU summit, which took place last week over a video conference call. As he alluded in his statement, one of the big issues on the EU's agenda is agreeing on the budget. Poland and Hungary used their veto after Brussels decided to apply rule-of-law conditionalities to the budget. The issue is particularly sensitive for both member states. Poland is currently being investigated by the EU for limiting the independence of the judiciary. Similar procedures have been taken against Hungary, which is being accused of undermining democratic principles and the freedom of the press. However, talks on the two member states' recent veto only took about 15 minutes. According to EU officials, it was settled ahead of time that the discussions would not be extended for too long. The aim was to avoid letting them get out of hand and thus allowing for later mediation. German Chancellor Angela Merkel was cited saying this is a very serious problem which needs to be resolved. While major EU officials try to appear level-headed when facing the situation, it is clear that their choice will have serious implications. Poland and Hungary are not simply blocking the EU budget, but also the Covid economic recovery package. Something which many European states are counting on to stabilize their economies. 
Meanwhile, Slovenia have officially backed the decision of Poland and Hungary in a letter to the EU Council, which speaks to a larger divide within the bloc. This is the most major issue. In a certain sense, the Hungarian and Polish veto is simply a symptom of that divide. All the same, the talks on the EU summit continued. The official main topic was the handling of the coronavirus pandemic. It was agreed that the restrictions will be lifted slowly. EU Commission President von der Leyen stated they had learned from their experience in the summer. She added that rushing to remove the restrictions can have big consequences. Von der Leyen had some news about the vaccine as well. Her commission has been in touch with BioNTech, Pfizer and Moderna in regards to a possible authorization. She stated if all goes well, it is possible that both vaccines could be authorized before the end of the year. There is also work to be done on a vaccination campaign for Europe. As stated by Angela Merkel, vaccination priorities are similar in most member states. First medical staff, then vulnerable people, and so on. Still, there are lots of issues to solve on an EU level before the end of the year. And now, here's a quick round of news from last week. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte was left red-faced after a cabinet official blunder. A journalist logged into a confidential EU video conference using information he found on Twitter. A photo posted on the popular social media platform by Dutch Defence Minister Ang Bilveld displayed documents on her desk in the background. There could be seen a login address and a partial PIN code. Daniel Verlan, the journalist who joined the video conference, was met with bemusement by the defence ministers. He was smiling and waving at them, after which he explained he was a journalist and promptly left the meeting. The Brexit negotiations continue as officials have stated the finish line is within reach. The final stretch has been made even more difficult due to discussions being held over video conference. An EU negotiator tested positive for coronavirus, which prompted the change. It is very likely that the entry into force of the deal will stretch after the 1st of January, as translators will not be able to convert the text in all EU languages on time. Over in France, Amazon has been forced to postpone its sacred Black Friday sale. French authorities have claimed that the e-commerce giant was threatening to steal Christmas from traditional shopkeepers. In France, the sale will take place on the 4th of December, a week after everywhere else in the world. Amazon released a statement saying that they have agreed to do so if this allows physical stores to reopen before the 1st of December. That was all for today's podcast. As always, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with another episode next Tuesday at 9.30.